This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Thursday, February 25th, 2021. On this day in 2015, three people were shot and killed in Sejong, South Korea. The gunman, a jilted lover, targeted his ex-girlfriend's father, brother, and her current boyfriend. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a Spotify original from Parcast. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today, we're covering a 2015 killing spree in Sejong, South Korea. Now, let's go back to the morning of February 25th, a little after 8 a.m. Fifty-year-old Kong was heartbroken. His ex-girlfriend, Kim, had a new lover, while he was still alone. They were happy and going about their lives without him. It made him angry. So, Kong went to get his guns. In South Korea, private ownership of firearms at home is illegal, although people can still use guns. Citizens must register, obtain a license, and store firearms at the local police station. They have to be checked in and out under the supervision of officers, even for target practice or brief hunting trips. Despite the restrictions, most South Korean men have formal training and experience with a variety of guns due to their compulsory service in the military. Kong was no exception. Though it had been decades since his tour of duty and he wasn't much of a hunter, Kong had bought a pair of rifles the previous November. He'd had a gun license since July 2014 and followed all of the regulations, including storing the weapons with the authorities. At dawn on February 25th, Kong went to the local police station in the nearby city of Kongju and collected both guns. Whatever reason he gave for taking out the weapons didn't raise suspicion. At 6.25 a.m., he left with both hunting rifles and 35 rounds of ammunition. Kong knew that Kim's new boyfriend, a man named Song, ran a small convenience store at the Jangoon district. Kim's father and her brother lived in nearby apartments. So that was where Kong went first. A few minutes after 8 a.m., King's older brother left his home to go to work. His car was parked near the apartment building, and it took only a few minutes to reach it on foot. Kong was familiar with the vehicle. He had even staked out a spot to watch it from a distance. He settled in to wait that morning, keenly aware that he was about to do something unforgivable. At 8.10 a.m., when Kim's brother pulled out his keys, Kong opened fire without hesitation. 
As Kim's 50-year-old brother approached the vehicle, he was hit by an 18.5-millimeter rifle round. He fell to the ground, fatally wounded. Kong didn't wait around to see if the brother was still alive. He moved on to his next target, heading for the apartment where Kim's father lived, just a short walk away. Details are unclear regarding exactly how Kong entered the 74-year-old's apartment, but he managed to get inside quickly. He shot Kim's father dead in his home and rushed back out onto the street. Just minutes later, Kong was outside Song's convenience store. Although some bystanders had heard the gunshots, there was still no police presence. Kong walked into the store and shot Song dead. He also took some paint thinner and poured it around the store. He set the liquid ablaze and left as smoke filled the store. It wasn't even 8.30 a.m. yet, and Kong had already killed three people. He heard police sirens echoing through the nearby streets and took off running. There was one last thing for him to do. Near a riverbank a little over two miles from the Jangun neighborhood massacre, Kong died by suicide. Not long after, all three of his victims were declared dead at a nearby hospital. Coming up, the shooting's aftermath sparks gun reform in South Korea. Listeners, I am thrilled to tell you that this month marks a huge milestone for ParCast. It's the four-year anniversary of another fantastic podcast I host called Serial Killers. If you haven't had a chance to dive into the stories and psychology behind the most nightmarish murderers of all time, there's no better time than right now to start listening. Each week, we enter the minds, the methods, and the madness of the world's most sadistic serial killers. From the son of Sam, David Berkowitz, and the co-ed killer Edmund Kemper, to Eileen Wardos, Ed Gein, and coming soon, the Night Stalker Richard Ramirez. And this February, look out for our four-part special on couples who kill, following the worst love has to offer. Their names may sound ordinary, but their atrocities are anything but. Trust me, you do not want to miss it. With hundreds of episodes available to binge and new ones released weekly, get to know the killers, crimes, and cases that forever changed the face of history. Follow the Spotify original from ParCast, Serial Killers. New episodes air every Monday and Thursday, free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. On February 25, 2015, a man named Kong killed his ex-girlfriend's father, brother, and new boyfriend in the city of Sejong, South Korea. Kong's rampage lasted less than half an hour. The weapons he used were purchased and stored legally. 
The police investigation revealed a few key details that explained Kong's motivation. It turned out the demise of his relationship with Kim, which had ended 18 months earlier, wasn't the only reason he was upset. Kim revealed that she and Kong had recently fought about finances. She said that Kong believed to have made a financial stake in Song's convenience store. It appeared that love and money were equal motives for Kong to murder three people. But he wasn't the only one ready to kill in South Korea that week. Just two days after Kong's rampage, a man in the city of Hwasong murdered two of his family members, as well as a police officer, before turning the gun on himself. Two separate fatal shooting incidents in the same week sent shockwaves through South Korea. There was a massive public outcry for more gun regulation in the country. Kong had obeyed all laws and still easily carried out a massacre with two guns and dozens of rounds of ammunition. The other shooter had used a legal air rifle. South Korean lawmakers acted swiftly, announcing on the Monday after the shootings that they would enact new legislation to, quote, enhance regulations on hunting rifles, including introducing tougher screening procedures for gun permits and better training for gun owners. They also enacted a new mandate to affix GPS trackers to all legally stored weapons and prohibit anyone with a prison record from gun ownership. But the strongest new proposals restricted ammunition. Bullets would only be available at hunting grounds, and all unused rounds would be stored in police stations along with the guns. However, there was some debate and criticism over these new regulations. Critics claimed that having police stations keep track of so many guns wasn't feasible. They worried that because current regulations hadn't worked, these stricter measures wouldn't either. One editorial in the South Korean newspaper Jungan Daily published a familiar claim that emotions were to blame for the violence, not guns themselves. The article reads, even if the police enforce tougher standards, they won't necessarily prevent individuals from using their weapons in moments of personal rage. Despite some resistance, the proposals were successfully adopted, marking a major change to the already strict gun laws. So far, the regulations have worked. There hasn't been a repeat of the Sejong shooting since 2015. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more stories like this, check out the Spotify original from Parcast, Crimes of Passion. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Juan Borda, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Bruce Kitovich. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Andrew Messer, with writing assistance by Terrell Wells, and fact-checking by Adriana Romero. I'm Vanessa Richardson.
Listeners, don't forget to check out the Spotify original from Parcast, Serial Killers. Every Monday and Thursday, take a deep dive into the minds and madness of history's most notorious murderers. You can binge hundreds of episodes, four years worth, and catch new episodes weekly. Listen to Serial Killers free on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.